I'm Jake. I'm Joe. What are we talking about? Shit, shit. So today, we are going to be talking about uh, moments in movies, scenes in movies that sort of stuck, sticks out to us and uh, we remember well. Kyonwa. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. It just means so, today in Japanese. Oh. Today. <laughs> so you just. Being said. weirdo. For our, our one Japanese friend, I'm sure. Yeah. I, that was uh, that was a weird time. That was, what was that? <laughs> yeah. like you had like a mini stroke there for a second. <laughs> I might have. Yeah. I, I, we, we, yeah. Oh, I heard you might. It's not even funny anymore. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, you start. So uh, we were coming up with ideas, and I was throwing out uh, movies, moment or f- film, TV moments that. Uh, oh, TV's s- welcome in this. Yeah, as I well? suppose oh, anything film wise that uh, stuck out with you in some way, whether it be a shocking horror moment, a uh, comedic moment that uh, has had a long life in your uh, world, or. Uh, Something dramatic that uh, made you tear up or tense up in a good. So that, that's short really... list as to what hasn't made me cry. Yeah, like, I know. That, that, yeah, you're like I got know. That, got that Kevin Smith situation. It's I don't just, know what the fuck. This is the floodgates opened, and there's not a thing that's, that That's doesn't... a short list for me, but it happens every once in a while. Yeah, you were supposed to be a rock during Logan, and you I, fucking I, failed. There was watery eyes. Yeah, it happened. You're supposed to be the brave it was, one. Hey, it was a daddy daughter moment. Those are the ones that get me. I didn't know that was coming. Right? I looked at you and I was like, uh-oh. Nope. Nope, oh, he's teary-eyed too. Oh, the rock. He's, he's, he's sinking. <laughs> hey, uh, sometimes the springs break through the rock, right? And it flows. <laughs> so we were trying to decide too. Like We were like, you know, in the last go-around, whenever we were, uh, what were we talking about? 3WTA, which this is essentially the same thing, but it's not the same name because of- 3WTA for life. Faux shizzle. Faux shizzle. That's, uh, yeah, we're basically the same thing, but it's a different name. But anyways, we're trying to, we, we talked about comic book stuff a lot. Uh, and so we kind of want to move away from that. Problem is, though, a lot of memorable scenes for me <laughs> end up having and to do with. That's fine. I just. That's yeah. I, I was I was specifically writing stuff down that were, I'm like, not comic book. But they'll, the first one I wrote down. I Robert have, Downey Jr. We have. Yeah, yeah, I am Iron Man. Uh, I <laughs> uh, no, like, honestly, oh, the first one I wrote down is Dark Knight, the interrogation scene. Still, to me, one of the most perfect, put, well put together scenes in cinema. It is. It is a really great scene, and uh, I think to some of the commentary that's been uh, used, focusing on it since uh, the movie came out, really uh, pushes some of that home and pushes some of the theories, like with the. Um, Joker being a uh, ex-soldier and yeah. things like that. Um, I don't know why I said ex-soldier instead of veteran, but whatever. <laughs> ex-soldier. I was a, ex-super soldier. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> stuck in a weird... Uh, it sounds like a very 80s movie thing to say. Like, he was an ex-soldier. It does sound like a, like a trailer, <laughs> like a really shitty trailer. Dolph Lundgren. Was an ex-soldier. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Ex-soldier? <laughs> ex-soldier. <laughs> Question mark? Now I just want to go home and watch Universal Soldier yeah. with Van Damme and 
Dolph Lundgren. Which isn't that technically in the Blade Runner universe? No. Is it Universal? It's Soldier or Universal Soldier? I'm pretty sure. No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think any of those are in the Blade Runner situation. I think so. I will look, but I've watched all yeah. three of the original three. Uh, or, well, the first two. Um, a lot. Yeah, I'm not talking like there's... And all the Blade Runner universe. I'm also not talking like... I'm not talking like it's readily apparent. Apparently, it's no, I know. very technically... I, I might have to go back... Because I really do love those movies. I like a lot of early Van Damme movies. I think the, the, first, the first one I, I enjoyed... Um, I don't remember. I don't remember it super well. Like, like uh, Universal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I'd never watched they the were taking, ones. they were taking Vietnam uh, vets who died at war, putting their bodies on ice and then giving them a sol- super soldier serum that was bringing them back to life where they had reprogrammed them um, to do whatever bidding. But uh, Dolph Lundgren's character and Van Damme's character had fought in uh, Vietnam because Dolph Lundgren's character was uh, killing a bunch of people and uh, their aggression for each other starts to rise through their programming. Wait, which one has Kurt Russell in it? None of them. Which one? What movie? No, there's a movie with Kurt Russell. That's the movie I'm it's, talking about. Yeah, well, it's not Universal Soldier. Okay. No, that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whatever one it is. The second one has uh, Michael Jai White as like a... So it's a directed DVD one? I don't know that it was, but it, it might have been. But it was uh, basically Van Damme's kind of running the program later on. And then uh, they have a super intelligent AI that runs a lot of the system. And the AI basically builds himself a body of a super soldier and puts mm. its mind in it. And it beats the shit out of Van Damme. Oh. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's good. They've made two since then, but I haven't watched it. I think just two. But they've made a couple more since then, more recently, where they're both quite a bit older. I haven't watched those, but um, yeah, but Dark Knight was good. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dark Knight's definitely good. Uh, so, what about you? Is what's what's the first um, one that comes to mind? One of the first things that came to mind that it always uh, has stuck out with me is a scene from Gladiator, um, where um, Russell Crowe's character, every time he's going through a certain situation or about to die or is thinking, he he is walking through like these wheat fields. Uh, around his home and uh, just him kind of running his hands through it and having those like really peaceful moments where he's like um, coming home to his family when he's like uh, fading in and out of death. I don't know though. Just something about that always kind of um, struck with you struck with me and, and um, just still even to this day, like certain um, films or um, paintings or things like that that have like a lot of wind blown, like, long grass or uh fields or something like that it just something about that's always like kind of touched something in me like where i'm like just i don't know, catches my eye really well. that's uh yeah it's, i've never i've never watched gladiator it's it's I've a never, solid movie yeah i've heard nothing but good things <laughs> yeah, about it yeah. i just it's never on my radar really it's yeah, never it's, really something that just like i've never seen jaws that's it's interesting. To Again, that's not, I, yeah. I heard nothing but good. I, it's not like I'm like I'm like that looks stupid. It looks yeah. good. I just never had a reason really to revisit. Yeah, or visit in the first place. I, I watched Jaws at a later age too because um, my wife's mom is a really big Jaws fan, so she like enjoys even like the off ball like, like the deep blue sea Sharknado, Sharknado. Jaws yeah, like just like you know shark movies essentially. 
Jaws um, 15. So we watched, we marathon through 1, 2, and 3D, I believe. And so every once in a while we, we throw that on. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I went through watching a bunch of movies that I did not watch as a kid because my parents did not have, uh, like, a lot of my dad's stuff was all action movies and occasionally, like, sci-fi stuff. So it was a lot of, like, Van Damme, Seagal, and, you know. That's, uh, yeah, that's kind of how my like dad that. was. It was a lot of uh, action movies that he would. Now, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't own any movies. It was yeah. It's just kind of whatever was on TV. But that actually leads to another memorable thing for me which is hans gruber falling from nakatomi tower that's uh that's one of the first movie things i can easily remember mm-hmm. um and i wasn't allowed to watch the movie like i had to be like escorted out of the room and uh <laughs> it's too violent it was, that was yeah i was because i was a kid yeah, at the time yeah. and so uh but i go back and i remember that and then i remember watching uh the first i watched the third die hard movie which i think you which and talked about quite the a best bit that's my favorite die hard movie i know it's not technically the best it's the best but like i love that movie that was the first one i ever watched yeah so i went back and watched the first and second one later on in life but i'd only watched die hard with a vengeance uh originally which yeah. i love him and sam jackson's just interaction really throughout well. the whole movie but it's going awesome. back and if you go back and watch it you watch like the you watch them in order it's very clear that that was not intended to be a no. diehard movie no but i mean everyone that i've i generally see like one in three are their favorite diehard films yeah two is uh, nobody's favorite nobody's favorite actually i think the f- the fourth comes up more often than the second one yeah uh, uh, i think most people forget the second like one good day to die hard uh is that- or is that no, live free or die live hard. Live free or die hard. Yeah, good yeah, day yeah. to die hard is the, the garbage last one, one that yeah. hate everybody I've, hates. That's the one I have not watched because yeah. I was like, yeah, I think I can skip this based should, on everyone and, 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 and enjoy my Bruce Willis diehard love and not have it ruined by this last movie. They'll reboot it. Yeah, but will it? Yeah, they can't do this. They can do. They, they can, can do a reboot of it if it's uh, the only way. I think. Well, I mean, they can do whatever the fuck they want. I don't really yeah. care. But like, the well, only way they can really do it is if Bruce Willis bookends it. And it would have yeah. to probably be a TV show. The thing, thing with like some of those movies, and I feel like this with a lot of stuff. There's some movies that lend themselves to being able to be remade in a good way, but some stuff uh, ties in with the time it was made so much, and what was allowed or what was popular at the time. That if you do it today, it, it just doesn't give it the same effect. And I'm kind of a little bit of a stickler for like film over digital which is weird like the yeah. cinematography i can i can some yeah. some movies have done, like um uh knives out recently tried to match um film look even though it was shot digitally so they went in and digitally created like the glows from the light and things like that and like some knives uh, out is a is fucking wonderful movie wonderful it's... film um but like there's something about like seven like if you watch seven and then you tried to shoot it now without the film grain and yeah, you know, the knowledge of what the nineties New York was at the time and things like that. I don't know Is if it, it would have the same, you know, if it's shot clean and looks so staged, it loses some of its, here's what's weird tinge for me that we naturally got onto the subject because I had thought today, like I was thinking of trying to think of future topics for shows. And one of them mm-hmm. was, when is it okay to reboot a movie? Oh, we'll have to get into yeah, that. Yeah, so we're going to have to do another episode where it's that because I think I think we could talk quite at length about that because I think we do also have kind of different opinions because I'm generally like a, eh, fuck it. Yeah. C- certain movies I don't think can, but that'll be a future episode. 
snobbish. <laughs> you are snobbish. A little bit when it comes. But I'm snobbish. Very, yeah, it just depends. Very on weird things like, you know, like Back to the Future can never be remade, <laughs> even though it would be interesting to see what they do. It should never be remade. Just every future will look like Mad Max. Um. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like that now. <laughs> there was a there was something I saw the other day. It was talking about like a Star Trek episode where they show up at like 2023, and it looks like what it does right now in California. It's like, and they were like, "Oh, they got it right." Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, um, what's a what's another um, I'm movie gonna go, moment? I'm gonna go a TV show actually, and this is spoiler alert. Five, four, three, two, one. In elementary, which I absolutely love. I actually think it, it might actually be my favorite TV show because I've watched it so many times and I still enjoy it. The reveal of Moriarty, I think, was phenomenal. Like, it was, I don't know, maybe I'm just lost in the show. Like, I enjoy it so mm-hmm. much, I don't see it. But to me, it was a left field reveal that Irene Adler was Moriarty. Mm-hmm. And I thought that made the most sense because in every other version that we've seen, at least in the modern take of Irene Adler, she's a throwaway character and she's not supposed to be a throwaway character. I I think in Sherlock, she was, they try to play it off like, oh, she was an empowered woman. She she was more... They keep her involved slightly within the storyline. Sort of, but she is more or less a background character. She didn't really outsmart uh sherlock that's supposed to be like the key thing is that she outsmarts him and it definitely it's really bad in the downy uh sherlock which i love those movies Mm -hmm. too but she's a damsel in distress yeah and then ultimately dies in the second one yeah where this was like she was moriarty she outsmarted him and And that that is an interesting take it's a unique take yeah definitely Um, unique one of the things i liked with the sherlock series um version of it though like she does. Uh, she does have the British government and everyone kind of in her hands until yes. Sherlock barely kind of there comes up with it. Really and he good does ideas. Have an emotional uh, uh, pull on her, and then they both kind of uh, agree to give into the emotional situation a little bit more than uh, keep at it each other's throats. But uh, speaking of Sherlock, though, uh, one of the moments I kind of thought of earlier that uh, sticks out, which was really um uh one of the better uh grief scenes that i feel like i've seen in a movie was sherlock and i rewatched it again recently with my 13 year old because she was interested in watching it so we remarathoned all of uh, the sherlock series again. that's an easy show to marathon I yeah think. I've, I've watched it a few times yeah. through it's only like three hour long episodes or so per season yeah, hour and a half yeah but either way it just kind of it yeah. flows really but, well uh, the fact that um uh I think of his name, the actor who plays Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. No, uh, Martin Watson. Freeman. Yeah, Martin Freeman. Um, Martin Freeman's uh, Watson's wife in the TV show was his actual wife during the filming of that. Oh yeah, uh, I think they've been divorced since. But there's a scene, spoiler alert, where uh, Watson's wife is shot and killed, and his um, the sounds he makes in the grief he shows when she's dying is probably one of the more touching and like, yeah. Uh, heartbreaking kind of set. Cause he's, you can hear the pain and like him trying to comfort her and also his anger and rage at 
this happening and he's almost like uh, nonverbal at, at, you know, usually it's like, Oh, you know, they try to say something sweet to him and stuff. And he's yeah. just like barely making noise. Like he's almost uh, for a minute. He's like silent with how hard he's like choking on his tears. Um, that was, it, a, it was always, it really touched me. A little Cause bit like more to be I honest, was. like I didn't give a shit about that character. Yeah. So whenever she died, I was like, okay, but like his reaction and that actually yeah. goes to another another grief moment, and this is. Well, I was just oh, say after that too, you get to see um, him trying to deal with that and move on to, which yeah. is done in a very they do a really interesting way where, you know, he was choked up with the idea of uh, he had flirted with another woman at the time, and yeah. he was kind of beating himself over it, and him and Sherlock both kind of like you know, kind we're of not it takes a left turn, don't we're it? not uh, perfect, and we kind of. Uh, uh, both have to move forward with it regardless which it was it was just a good take on it really it. was it, that was the be- the last season was kind of shaky but like yeah with the whole um Uris, um yeah, situation was, I'm not, I still don't know I really how I feel about it and I I didn't hate it but it definitely was the weakest of any of the seasons yeah, I think I think too I mean there was hints in the original um stories a little bit of a another sibling yeah so for them to one make it a female and then her be smarter than either of the other two and things like that, but she was also mentally trapped slightly as a child and then as because of her getting locked up essentially at an early age. Did you see um, the Enola Holmes trailer? Uh, I feel like I, I. This sounds familiar. I think it sounds familiar, sister, but, but I, I don't. Uh, think Netflix just comes out in September or something rather. Um, so it might be out by now. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, it's Sherlock's sister. Henry Cavill plays Sherlock Holmes. And I watched the trailer. Yeah, I think I did see the but trailer. But it focuses on her. But like I watched the trailer and I told Michelle the other day, I was like, Henry Cavill could be possibly the worst Sherlock Holmes I've ever seen in my life, he, which yeah. is unfortunate because he's a good actor. Yeah, he, he's good. But there's, which is weird to say, but it is kind of, accurate that we do uh descript of certain people and the way they look with how you know they're going to act and are mentally um and and i think it's maybe like well with him he just he's such a physically imposing and good looking yeah kind of guy you don't expect him to necessarily be intelligent not necessarily that he's intelligent but i think there's something that comes with um, good physical for and like being pretty you're going to have a certain amount of uh, charisma and stuff where a lot of people aren't necessarily going to push so hard for some of the other yeah traits or at least that's the interpretation I guess but that's like you always take Sherlock as yeah he's physically decent like he can fight and all that stuff and all the versions he's good uh, bare knuckle boxer and cane fighter but we never really take him as like maybe he'll reload his arms in this one. Yeah, bodybuilder esque. Yeah. you know, he didn't know Sherlock Holmes was a beefcake. Yeah, uh, no, this is like with this is actually kind of weird. Is that um, the people making Netflix and the people making the Enola? I think it's Enola Holmes is what it's called. Yeah, but, I think that sounds right. Um, but they were getting sued by the estate of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, um, because while. Sherlock Holmes and all the stories are in the public domain. Mm-hmm. It's everything from the Reichenbach Falls back. Mm. Everything after is owned by the estate. estate and the reason that they said that this uh, deserves to be or will be sued or that they're, why they're suing them 
is because he's nice in the movie. And after he supposedly dies and the Reichenbach falls, mm -hmm. he, uh, when he comes back to life, he's nice. He's changed. His personality is completely different. And that's the version that we're getting in this, mm -hmm. which is not a pleasant version for me. That's not the Sherlock Holmes yeah. I like. But no. also, like, they were getting sued. I'm like, yeah. what a weird thing to get sued. Because like, he's nice. Like, yeah. like, we don't want him portrayed as a sweet fellow. Yeah, you can portray him as an asshole. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing. And I, I watched a, a, a kind of breakdown at one point recently of, like, um, why a lot of the genius characters, why we like them being assholes and why that appeals, like, characters like House and... And whatnot, where they're in Sherlock, where the, oh, they're the genius who's an asshole to everybody else. We like those guys. And it was just kind of breaking down that, yeah, but that I, stereotype. I assume it has something to do with, like, because we can see them grow. Well, partially. but And I, whenever they show emotion, you believe it more. I think it's partially the, the fantasy of, like, oh, if I was this smart, I could just be, you a, know, dick. be a dick to anyone and they're still going to need me. That's true. Or and you can be so a dick a, and not be that smart. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Just, That's the usual call. Yeah. Uh, like, I just want to be a dick, so I'm People a dick. People just want to be a dick. <laughs> I don't want to empathize. This yeah. kid I work with, I, used to, I told him that when I was younger, I used to, um, uh, I used to purposefully be an asshole to people so they would leave me alone. I said, but the problem was people were always like, "You're so funny," because they would think I was joking. <laughs> and I told this kid that, and he looked at me for a second, just kind of blankly, and I was like, "What?" And he said, he said, you were purposefully a dick to people? <laughs> I was like, yeah. All of the time. And he's like, I just can't wrap my head around that. I'm like, why? And he, he's like, I don't know. Just, I can't, exp I can't, I don't understand how somebody could be an asshole. Purpose. Like, it's real easy. Oh, yeah. Well, there's some people that it's are just that, being nice. kind of uh, people pleaser type where they'll just kind of go along with whatever just because they don't want to offend someone. And I... Uh, I fall in a weird category where I'll uh, a lot of times I'll tell people they're assholes and be an asshole to them, but I'll explain it to them in a nice way, and then they still can't hate me at the end of it. <laughs> God damn it! Like I made my he made me think about my flaws, and I still I have to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> I just have to go. You will not sell death sticks. Um, go home and rethink your life. Star oh, Wars. Okay. There you go. That's another memorable, memorable uh, something. Memorable something. Uh, the the ending of Return of the Revenge of the Sith, the uh, you were my brother Anakin moment. Yeah, have you seen a kind of a? Because those movies are shit. I love those. I movies. know you do. I still think they hold a lot of value. I know a lot of people, but I I feel too. There's a a thing. It seems like you know our generation who who a lot of them when they they first watched the prequels first it holds the nostalgia a lot of people had for the original trilogy I guess they did watch the original the OG trilogy first Yeah and a lot of people feel like cuz like my daughter loves the Hobbit series cuz we watched them in we watched them in the original setup so she saw Thorin and Bilbo and those are like the ones she initially caught on uh, and she watched Lord of the Rings and was kind of like yeah I liked you know Bilbo and Thorin You got to fix that I know I I'm like I tried to I'm like and we watched all the extended editions. She likes them. She just she felt a little bit more for Bilbo than Frodo, which I mean, I guess granted to a certain extent, Bilbo has a more interesting arc than Frodo. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so I mean, there and is yes, that. I've actually watched those movies. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> and I also I've got a kind of a headcanon with those, which makes it a little bit better too. But headcanon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the return of headcanon. Oh yeah. Welcome. I hate that shit. 
Well, I mean, it makes sense. That's not real. What do you mean? It's not real. It makes sense. It's just what is it's it? not anything anyone necessarily like points out as the story. But well, because the original um, Hobbit storyline was intended for younger readers, whereas the Lord of the Rings trilogy was written for older readers. And in the original uh, first Lord of the Rings movie, you see Bilbo telling his story to children. So it's something he's you know told to kids a lot of the time to entertain them. So I take some of the more silly or fanciful uh, aspects of the Hobbit storyline where like the dwarves are juggling plates and stuff at the beginning and singing and riding down the, the river in barrels as uh, Bilbo's telling this. fancy. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's him embellishing it for kids. Just like the Lord of the Rings at the end of the series, you see that Frodo wrote down the events of the yeah. Lord of the Rings, whereas Bilbo wrote down the story of his. So it's his telling that he's been telling to kids for all these years. So it's done where some things that are a little more intense, he does them in playful or kind of silly or funny ways to break some of the tension for the children. Is that Does that make the movie more watchable for you? Yeah, a little bit because yeah. it takes it takes some of the the sillier things like them riding down the river in barrels and still fighting orcs. So I just as, didn't dig. I, it wasn't necessarily. I just didn't dig the movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. It's just, um, but yeah, just some of the because the original Lord of the Rings is really uh, grounded in some of the way you know they're wearing actual chainmail. They're yeah. It's kind of dark and dreary, and the very know, much so the uh, the strength and will of man, and you know, kind of things like that. Whereas, it even um, made, it managed to make a goofy ass character like Gollum, like yeah, work. heartfelt, and yeah, you kind of see his uh, troubles, and he's an empathetic villain. Um, so some some of that stuff is uh, more serious and drawn out. Whereas you know, some of the stuff in they used more CG, which a lot of people didn't like, and then it had some of these like really kind of silly some almost cartoon physics a couple times here and there and i i just kind of relate that more as uh something bilbo or bilbo's version of it that he tells the kids and so some of the stuff is a little more silly so i mean like the actual events might have been a little harsher but yeah he doesn't really tell them that way and so that's that's the way i kind of play off some of the goofier things from the hobbit which, I mean, it fits in the story. It's just not anything anyone was like, this is Bilbo's version he tells his kids. Or, the you know, the kids that are around. But Whatever makes you feel better. It, it does. <laughs> just, um, like, just like uh, Dumbledore changes in the movies because he takes some of the... Uh, shut up. The Philosopher's Stone I, elixir. You know what I, I actually think... And becomes younger happened, and has dark hair. What I actually hair. think happened is that... Um, Richard Harris died. I know. And then Michael Gammon took over. That's why it's called a hand cutting because it's within universe. I know the real extent, but if you want to play along, I don't. It's fun. All I want in to that, do is ruin your head cannon. In that, he was said to help make the Philosopher's Stone with Nicholas Flamel, and then he discovered. At, the, the, well, he, he helped make it, and then he held it on, held it for him. Yeah, and then he said Nicholas has enough to live him, and he's destroyed it. So uh, the reason why and why he looks slightly younger has red back in his beard and is a little more vigor. Why do you drop in a goblet of fire? My God, uh, he is. You know, maybe he uh, de-aged himself a little bit with the uh, Nicholas. Sure, hey, it's just an option. I'm just giving it out there. Take it or leave it. 
Anyways, another <laughs> memorable scene within a movie. Um, one of the ones <laughs> kind of like with uh, uh was um watching Horns, oh. uh, the movie with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it was one of the first times like where um I had watched enough movies and things like that where uh you you know the pacing of of certain genre movies and um it was where i'd seen enough movies and, and things like that to where uh it was one of the first movies that i'd seen bleed so many genres because you get some mixtures like uh horror comedy works really well or you know a drama action movie or you know something like that those those you can get kind of two pairs right. a lot of times it was one of the first movies that was like all right, this is a love story, a supernatural story, a horror story, a comedy, and a uh, detective mystery thriller. Yeah. All in one, and it works, and was a beautiful movie. And a good book. I read the book afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it just like, initially watching this, I was like, what is this movie? Is this, what it, what what genre am I It was a here? weird like and experience then, watching that movie and then uh and he did a couple like that and swiss army man which was like a really serious kind of sad I've drama never seen that, but i wanted to and yet silly as fuck and then like, guns, uh, akimbo. guns akimbo also fits into Ooh, that a little bit that's a great movie which is an awesome movie too so much fun but yeah like like in swiss army man he's uh a guy that's kind of a bit of a outcast and he finds this dead body washed ashore and he kind of uh talks to it like it's a a real person and it starts right. breathing back to him, but it gets into these silly things like one, like him using the flatulence from the body decomposing to like jet ski himself to another area. And also it's him talking to a dead person about his problems in life and the dead person responding in a way of like, what the fuck do you think it matters? Like, Oh, she might say no. Like if you like her, you know, like I'm dead, man, you know, you only got one life. And so it goes into some of those, um, conversations that are a little more serious and heartfelt which was cool but yeah uh horns was one of the, f the first ones i saw really jump so many genres that worked really well and was a really uh beautiful movie in a lot of ways so, um actually just recently last night actually as a matter of fact can't i found one um watching the haunting of hill house mm -hmm. uh which is really good really uh there was an upsetting scene to me uh, that was couple episodes so like episode four i think it was uh that bothered me enough where i was like i don't know if i can watch this show right now um but it's uh it's damn good but the most of the scenes in this particular episode six uh most of the scenes are done in one shot mm -hmm. like when they cut and then they do an extended one shot the first 15 and a half minutes is one shot and it is stupendous. Like, it's w wonderful to see it. Uh, it stuck out to me. Like, I, I've absolutely, just because of that alone, like, I fell in love with the show. And it took, I mean, not like I hated the show or disliked it at all. I enjoyed it. I was having fun watching it. Uh, but that show, maybe that that bit made me fall in love with it. That was phenomenal that they that they did that. Because it's, it's hard enough to do, a, like, a two or three or four minute one shot. Mm-hmm. But to do a 15, like, and this isn't one of those, like, not like Birdman where it's, like, cleverly edited to look like. Yeah. It, it was one single shot, and it was really well done. Um, 
one that I've uh, most recently watched that, you know, because you just brought up something you watched yesterday, um, I've been going through and watching those uh, Criterion Collection old uh, Kira Kurosawa films um, from the 1950s, and I just watched one called uh, Ikaru. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever... I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I've um, never seen any of his movies. Uh, all, of, all of them I've watched so far, all these movies uh, have been wonderful. They've been all been awesome. Uh, and it's one of those things like I went into with a lot of these like going like I've seen like oh I've been going back and watching a lot of cult classic films and stuff over the past few years and like oh what's all this you know everybody talks about and sometimes you get you get quite a bit of them that all right I could see where this was uh, interesting or appealing at the time or it was groundbreaking at the time but it's been done to better since or something like that or the pacing is really bad or something because you know it's just older film happens a lot with um and every one of these have been like almost most of them are like two hours and 20 minutes black and white japanese with subtitles and i'm fucking just enthralled like they've been really good shot a lot of good like cinematography and lighting and humor and clever stuff so it's they've been really good um but uh Ikaru, uh, there's a scene, and I actually ended up reading up a little bit after this, and it was something like Roger Ebert said was one of his like most moving moments, and he watches it every few years, um, where it's essentially about a bureaucrat who gets uh, stomach cancer, and he's just been kind of doing nothing in a bureaucratic uh, government job every day for all this time, and he's really like, what the hell have I done with my life? And so he kind of tries to go out and live a little bit, and... Uh, basically it comes down to him trying to figure out something he can do with his last bit of time that'll mean something. And, uh, some of the women in the community, there was, a some sewage runoff and stuff near their homes. They're like, let's fill this in, put a park or something for the kids and, you know, get this taken care of cause it's dangerous. And so he starts kind of fighting the government branches to actually do something instead of giving people run around and fights with everybody to get this, uh, park made for the kids and uh this the movie about three-fourths of the way kind of comes like it's basically being told post his death with his co-workers talking about all the things he did to get this stuff made and the mayor basically took credit for it saying oh i was it was for me and i'm do stuff for my community and campaign speeching it and um and it, it goes to the cop who basically found his body there at the park and he's like, I should have brought him in. I thought maybe he was just drunk and walking around at the park or something. He's like, but, uh, and it kind of goes to his story. And he's like, he was singing and he seemed really happy. So I left him alone and it was just snowing outside. And it's him basically swinging on the swing set, talking about, you know, uh, live your life while you can and singing the song about the passions of youth and don't let them dwindle down to nothing. And he like hemorrhaged to death out there in this park that he, uh, you know, in, internally hemorrhage and stuff out in this park, but he was just happy to have accomplished something and given back something to the community and done something with his last days to where he was just happy swinging in his last moments on this little playground. That's it's, really, just a, it's a really sweet. It's that's, a really pretty shot too, and like snow coming down, and he's in this you know suit, just that, happy and singing. That legitimately makes me want to watch the movie. Like it's, it's a good film, and then it kind of ends at the end of the movie with a coworker because they were saying like, let's not forget this and let's do stuff. But it goes back into the kind of the old grind of bureaucracy, and then he's kind of frustrated about it. But he walks by this bridge and looks at all these kids playing on the playground and just kind of 
you know, remembers that what he did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a really beautiful scene that, uh, they, uh, yeah, that sounds, I have to watch that movie now. I wonder if it's on, if it's streaming anywhere. I don't know. Probably not, honestly. Probably be something you have to rent on Amazon or something. That'd be worth it. Which about. I could let you borrow. I've got, they're all on Blu-ray. All these oh, ones shit. I've got, okay. So they're, they've been recently remastered and stuff. So they look really good. Um, um so speaking of grief scenes earlier, you have, I have one that's, that is unexpected and it was unexpected when it happened. Um, it was in Law and Order SVU. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, I've watched that show for years. Like, I love that show. It's, you know, it's comforting almost. Like, the only real procedural I ever got into was, um, uh, was it? Uh, it's got, well, shit, I just jumped in there for nothing, didn't I? Yeah, he just dove right into uh, cement. Um, <laughs> it's about the uh, special or the um, criminal minds. That's what it is. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. the only one I kind of got into a little bit, but I bailed after like seven seasons or something. Yeah, well, seven. You might as well just finish the fucking thing. I, it's still going, as far as I know. Is it? Yeah. Oh god damn! I thought it ended like after like nine or ten seasons. Um, no. So this episode is uh, they had introduced a new character, two new characters, like that season and the season before one was peter gallagher played uh the commissioner i believe it was and um and he got his son the sergeant position in svu so people didn't really like him in svu because daddy got him the job yeah and he's in the entire season you know he was a character that you're like yeah yeah he's whatever it, it was just a kind of a throwaway character well in one episode where uh he gets shot um, and he gets surgery, and then all of a sudden, like, he's talking to Olivia, and uh, starts just rambling, saying just nonsense. And so they call the doctor in there, and it cuts away, and they find out that he had had a blood clot that went to his brain. So he, I guess, he basically stroked out or whatever, and he was gonna die. And it goes back, and Olivia's in the hospital room with him, and he's just laying there unconscious, but his dad's in there. Peter Gallagher's in there. And all of a sudden, he just, like, he's talking, and he's, he's like, that's my son. He's he how am I, he's going to, he, how am I supposed to tell him? And he starts fucking bawling. And I'm sitting there, and I start crying. I'm like, am I fucking crying <laughs> over SVU? And I look back, and Michelle's crying. I'm like, what just happened? Holy shit, like to this yeah. day, I still am baffled by my reaction to that because I didn't care about the character. Yeah. But it was Peter Gallagher's performance yeah. that fucking knocked it out of the that, park and that, it caught me yeah. way off guard. <laughs> that reminds me actually of a, a Scrubs episode that made me tear up a little bit that I didn't expect. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where um Doctor uh um, what's his name? He's the head doctor at the, the Cox? hospital. Cox? Yeah, I think it's Doctor Cox. Um he basically is talking about um his brother or stepbrother maybe yeah. coming coming to town and all this stuff and he has a whole day of joking around with him and talking with him and then you realize he like hasn't gone with sleep the whole time and it was like his uh, his funeral that that day or something and he was just so sleep deprived from uh, overwork and depression from it that he hadn't really dealt with it yet and yeah you that really was find out till the end of the episode and that was really uh, a that hit moment. like that was a strange like. Uh, because I never really watched the show that much, but I've seen snippets of it and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. that I saw and I was like, 
I, I marathoned it, but yeah, that was a really moving uh, episode for uh, such a silly show most of the time. And that's a, that's another one, the uh, uh, Futurama. <laughs> again, not a, not a not a show that I I've watched all the way through, but that dog episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Motherfuck. There's like, there's a good one later on too that kind of tugs that, at the heartstrings. There's I know they retcon the the dog where like he got uh in one of the movies where yeah. he got covered in in dolomite. Is that what it is? <laughs> like well, immediately, no, it doesn't retcon the story. It's just when he's out there, he he gets uh. Well, it basically implies that he didn't wait twenty whatever years. He immediately got. Hit I with just took it as he was older when it happened. But, oh, because he's made out of dolomite. Like when they when they find, find him, him so yeah. I just took it as like it was part of the story. That, that, but there's that. there's one later on too where um, Fry gets to actually kind of go back or like go into the memories of his mom who's dreaming or something along the lines and tell her goodbye. Oh Jesus! Uh, which is is pretty pretty good too. Um, and I think of another one uh, that me and Misty uh, watching uh, Naruto actually was uh, a pretty good um, section that always kind of got me was uh, there's there's a kid who's kind of like really really good with uh, strategy um, so him and his his teacher because it's usually a teacher and three man group uh, underlings with him and uh, he's constantly playing this game called Chogi which is kind of like chess uh, with the kid throughout the series. And so you see him constantly playing and he asks him a few times, um, if this game board is the village, who's the king, you know, who's the person that you need to protect and fight against all costs. And he's like, well, that would be the, the leader of the ninja. Then and he's like, no, you're wrong. And kind of just doesn't right really tell him. And it kind of goes on as like something that he'll tell him later, but you don't yeah. really know what's going on. And uh, as the series progresses, it gets a little more intense, a little more intense. And then um, you find out that uh, that teacher and one of the other female teachers, are she's pregnant with a kid and all this kind of stuff. And then they go out on this uh, rough mission uh, where the teacher ends up being killed. And his last uh, request to him, uh, they're talking about the Shogi game. And he asks him, do you remember... Uh, who the king is and it goes back to the kid uh, teaching or getting taught by him and then talking and he tells him that no the, the leader isn't the king the king is the children the youth of this community those are the people that you have to protect at all cost no matter what else is going on because they're the future of this village so no matter what's happening those are the people you got to protect and it cuts back to him dying in front of him and he goes will you protect my king Will you will you uh, be there for him and be his godfather, Jesus. essentially? And he dies, and then we're both you know fucking bawling yeah. at that point. And then as the series goes on, you see him kind of being around that little girl who was and his teacher's kid, and just kind of being his that's parents. Pretty, um, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's a really touching moment. There's a lot of good scenes like that. I'm that's another. Little, that's a one. See, I want to watch. I want to want to want to watch Dragon Ball before I watch Naruto, yeah. but I think I'm just want to watch Naruto. Like, yeah, it's good. And I, I, there's a lot of episodes, but there's a essentially a filler list, so you can know which just to skip. jump around. Yeah, and I have all of them on DVD, so I think they're all on Netflix now, aren't they? I don't think every episode. I think yeah. it's like first few seasons of each. Yeah, but 
Um, yeah. But speaking of grief and it's sad really and, and crying, and um, we'll come back to me now where yeah. everything makes me cry. Uh, oh, I swear, I really don't know what the fuck happened. You gonna cry? Huh? You gonna wear the daddy pants? <laughs> um, some? The Flash, season one finale. Yeah. That one, I, and it, you would think like I had mommy issues, like, <laughs> but I don't at all. And but it's like any, we all have we all have mommy, mommy issues, well, but like products of our parents. But like it's uh, it, it ever no matter what in that show, if it has something to do with his him and his mother, it hits me so hard, and I don't understand why. Is she, I mean, is she alive? Cats <laughs> in a interesting. There's okay. All right, this is alive. Thank God. Uh, but no, the the scene particularly, and this is the one that you know Kevin Smith yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. you know blubbered all over himself <laughs> with. Um, but it was uh, at the end of the first season, he gets to go back in time, and that's the deal he makes with uh, uh, Eobard uh, is to Eobard. he'll go back in time. He'll be able to save his mother. Such a fun name. It is right. Like and I, I kind of want to name a child too. Eobard. Oh yeah. Like I was really, I'm glad because like in later seasons they just went ahead and made it um, Tom Cavanaugh. He just played like they just yeah. ignored the other actor that actually played Eobard. Um, but no, so he makes a deal with him. He goes back in time, and then before he can go save his mother, he looks out and he sees his future self saving his past self mm-hmm. as a child, and he tells him to stop. So he stops and he has to sit there and listen to his mother be murdered. Mm-hmm. And he gets to go out there and talk to her. And it's such a good moment. It's Grant Gustin. Like, he fucking kills it. Like, no matter how good or bad that show gets, he is an anchor point in that show. Yeah, him and uh, Joe, the character yes, Joe, yeah. are usually really, um, really good with when they turn on the the tears yeah they, they, uh, they know how to get you it's and then there was I a moment chicken wings i always think of that scene for some reason <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a moment in uh uh in that same episode it's whenever eddie kills himself yeah that caught me so it, it caught michelle so off guard too. like she didn't watch the show with me she only watched it like periodically as i did um but she we were sitting there watching it together well she was just like on her tablet or whatever and then all of a sudden he just shoots himself and she's we both at the exact same time like what (laughs) and we watched it was such a shocking and such a really well done moment that kind of catches you off guard now when you go back and watch the the season again you're like oh i mean clearly all roads are pointing you know all signs are pointing to him killing himself um or sacrificing himself in, in in some fashion but uh and then we also have like the musical episode which the the song he sings at the end to propose that iris makes me cry <laughs> i i i haven't watched the most recent season i haven't either shows. honestly I, I i got i got uh burnt out with the uh the plot layout i did too i um, really i started to get burnt out with all of them and yeah i've i've we've made our i've made my complaints on this <laughs> before yeah of yeah, oh, it, this it, is our problem. I'll never do that again. New problem occurs. I can't tell if it's a team. <laughs> Coming here in the other room, we'll talk about this. It's like knocking it off. Jesus fucking. Although Stop I do want to watch the law, asshole. I do want to watch the the most the previous season 
or a couple of seasons ago. I can't remember. I don't know. I'm really far behind of Legends of Tomorrow. The first season with John Constantine mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. Because like that first episode, they kill a unicorn. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? color me intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I wish, because the, the sci-fi version Constantine was the best interpretation I've seen so far. The NBC version? Is it NBC that yeah. initially did it? I was thinking sci-fi. Should have been on sci-fi, but... Um, maybe they were talking about moving it to sci-fi yeah. at one point. They're but yeah, it was one of the CW better versions because uh, whereas I love the Keanu Reeves movie, uh, which... <laughs> I, I do love the Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah, but. which, I mean, he's, you know, New York and or Los Angeles in that version and, you know, dark-haired and all that stuff. A lot of that, yeah. Which, and... But both that and how he started to be portrayed in Legends of Tomorrow when I first seen him in that and in uh, Arrow at first when he pops up. Yeah. Um, he's very like anti-dark forces. Here's Christian implements and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that isn't very book accurate in that right. a lot of the times... I still say that Matt, Matt Ryan, I think, is, is, is... Yeah, he's wonderful. And that's why is, I said in the NBC version... Uh, he got to play that a little bit more into some of the the less like you see more of the tortured uh, John Constantine where yeah. he's got all the friends that basically have died in the process where he's uh, the more of the, a little more of the con man side where he's got to trick uh, people because honestly more than any of the magic in the original Hellblazer it's con man stuff yeah that happens to occasionally run into some supernatural shenanigans in the meantime, or he'll use some light things once in a while. Um, but he also like throws in a lot of like voodoo or, uh, here's, uh, a, a weird, uh, Australian Aborigine, uh, mushroom. And like, He's, it's very not, uh, here's a talisman, talisman of Christ. And the Christ compels you. What's um, the weird thing is like, technically Matt Ryan was the reason Guillermo del Toro walked away from justice league dark. Because he wanted to use him in the yeah, movie, yeah, and then Warner Brothers was like, "No, we need a real star." I'm like, fuck you, Warner <laughs> What a dick thing to be yeah. like. They want to call him Farrell, which thinking about it, like Colin Farrell really probably wouldn't be a bad. Constantine. No, he'd probably do okay. Um, I think he's gonna make a better penguin. I'm, I'm trying to. Have you seen the seen the makeup? Yes, it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, um, I'm pretty well into it. <laughs> which I'm, I'm starting to fight because like I've heard this for a while, but I rebelled against it. But now I'm trying to like see if I can assimilate this into my because apparently the American uh, pronunciation is Constantine but what is it technically in the way it's written in the uh, it's Constantine is how they actually would say it since he's an American made he's, he's not, he, he is though no he was written by um, initially uh, what's his face um, from Watchmen and 300. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, and then the first writers, Alan Moore. Yeah, and like the first writers are Irish and stuff. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about like they're it's owned by DC Comics. Something. Yeah, so it's yeah. a, it's a. But I was saying just like in in universe with him being right from that region, he would be pronouncing it. Constant they will time. never call it that, and not not nobody America. will ever call it that. Well, I, I hear occasionally people use it like that, and because that's the way like his name is technically pronounced but then i'm also used to like constantine so i'm like ah. constantine sounds better i always fight that a little bit like back and forth where i always want to use proper pronunciation but then there's also the the dialect of the region that you also have to fit it into so yeah. it's always it's an interesting 
But it's also like um, but sort of like Ra's al Ghul. Like yeah, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul. People say Ra's. Constantine, people say, Constantine. I say, I say Ra's because I believe that's the that's yeah. the correct version, yeah. correct way to say it. Uh, we've gotten way off track here. Yes, we have. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But yeah, I was just saying, I love that one scene when in Cassie where he's like, it's like covered in blood. And he's like, and doing some chant in a corner, and uh, <laughs> just like, hey, just just go over here, just leave him to do his thing. Yeah. He's good. Like that guy is good in yeah, that I show. Like that show was really good. Made me want to watch the rest of Legend of Tomorrow just to see how he performs in it. But I knew yeah. it was going to be kind of the a water, watered down, nice. cheesy version of it. Like I met him at Comic Con at Wizard World in Chicago. Crazy nice, like crazy, yeah. like really, really. He nice. the voice dude. of the main guy in uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yes. Also, I it took me for it took me a while. I was sitting there playing that game. And I'm like. Edward Kinway. I was like, why the fuck does he sound so familiar? I could not place it, so I had to, I had to look it up eventually. I was like, oh shit, it's Constantine or Tyne. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Constantine Tyne. Um, uh, other memorable moments in movies. Let's see. Um, yeah, so I was. I, I've mentioned one before, so I wasn't going to use it again. So I was trying to think of some other things. Um, like. And trying not to, because I, I almost wanted to say um, Kung Pao, because it's like one of my favorite comedies, even though it's it's ridiculous, and that's also one of the reasons I love it. But part of the reason why it sticks out so much is because, like, when I first watched it, it was like me and my brother we ordered pizza in our like separate room from the from the parents, and we watched it together, and so it was just kind of a, a, a memorable moment with my brother of us just dying laughing over a bunch of silly shit. But it's one of the few movies if someone was like quote the entire movie i've got this one down like <laughs> and it's it's just so full of silly shit I don't, and so many things in the background that you wouldn't notice unless you watch it a ton of times is there so i'm trying to think if, there, if there's a movie that i can but quote it's not really a moment it's just it's just the fact that yeah it has a, a a good memory for me um and then i was trying to think too like uh you know the matrix was an important movie for me when it first came out I mean, it still is. It's still one of my favorite series, but it was one of the first. Like, I remember watching it and then rewatching it and then rewatching it again and trying to like, because I was eleven at the time, so I was trying to grasp all the ideas different and ideas that. and stuff. And it was one of those the first movies that I felt like they're not dumbing this down entirely. Like they're making it like you know you have to really pay attention, pay attention to get it. And so I'd have other people watch it with me. You really got a Game of Thrones it. A little bit. And they were like, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. And then I'd get to explain it to them a little bit. And they're like, oh, and you see it kind of down on them. And I think that kind of uh, tweaked some of that love of like, let me break this down for you kind of enjoyment. And, uh, you know, really enjoyed like, all right, one, it's got kind of some anime vibes and it's an uh, action movie, which I liked at the time. But it also had really interesting sci-fi setup and world and philosophical concepts thrown out there which it just was one of the first movies that I didn't feel like really dumbed it down or like right. hey reach up to the understanding going on here we're not you know it's not this cheesy like here's the beats kind of a thing which I mean going back I, I can see the beats a little bit more and stuff but like at 11 I was like holy shit this is deep you know I hadn't taken the philosophy right, classes yeah. at that point you know I didn't know my Descartes. And <laughs> There's also uh, going into something not, not necessarily emotional or anything like that, like kind of just startling. Uh, have you seen the movie Upgrade? 
Uh, we had talked about it. I'd, I'd seen uh, trailers and things, but I hadn't watched it. So there's a bit in there whenever it's initially after he gets the chip uh, on the spine and the chip takes control. Mm-hmm. So uh, he starts fighting this dude and then end of the fight, he basically gets behind the dude and he has a knife and he puts it in the guy's mouth and just pulls it towards him <laughs> and like rips through. It's so, it's jarring because you don't you really expect, expect You're like, oh, yeah. oh my God, he fucking murdered him Mitch, right in his mouth. Mentioned one of these moments before recording, but I was talking about the, the more, uh, the Blair Witch, uh, not really, it's a continuation. It's I called guess, the, yeah, that one's called the Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. Um, but, uh, it's when uh, the proper sequel, not the yeah, yeah, the proper sequel, not the garbage um, one. But there's the scene in the middle where there's all the uh, symbols hanging up around the campsite, and the lady grabs it down in kind of anger and snaps it in half, and immediately one of the other characters snaps in half like a voodoo doll situation, and it really kind of comes out of left field to be that violent of a yeah, uh, that someone's was... spine snapping them in half, and yeah, you we don't really expect it. Just talk about that, and I was mocking him because I hate that movie. Um, but then he ta- he said that part. And I was like, oh no, yeah, that one got me too. I was like, I was like, oh shit, that was a good scene. <laughs> that really got me. That was a good one. Um, yeah, I can't. I honestly can't think of a whole lot of like action movies or moments like that uh, that get me. Or um, I can think maybe like in the thing. Yeah. Whenever the head turns into a spider. Yeah, that's that's a cool uh, that's, scene. A, that's a startling thing that I, happens because I, I feel like I got to bring up the mist ending. Yeah, it was one of the I more mean, visceral reactions I had to a film where I was like, "What the?" F-? and actually that made was, sounds that to was like an oh, upsetting oh. moment. But it's like I've gone back and watched that movie so many times, yeah. and it's honestly solely because I love the ending yeah. so much. I, and I love, and that was one of the things that made me like, "All right, like the point of a movie isn't necessarily to give you a happy feeling; it's to give you any emotion, uh, uh, and a reaction. This pulls a reaction out of you." Um, Definitely, and I, I read the book of that too. It's, it's yeah, I think Michelle read the book. I haven't read it, but uh, it leaves off a little more hope filled, where they're still traveling for a while. But yeah. <laughs> you could see that maybe coming down the road. I do. I I really do enjoy that. They they. I mean, they had some fucking balls. Yeah, to yeah. do that because like they tear your fucking heart out at the end. Yeah, they're just like, um, all right, we're gonna have we're gonna make a monster movie, and then we're gonna um, tear you to pieces at the end. One of the kind of uh, a little gem that me and. Uh, Misty found in the uh, found footage horror films um, is uh, a movie called uh, I want to say it's the Borderlands is what it's called um, I think that's the American title for it there's a different one I believe but uh, it had an ending that I was just like was not expecting it to go that way and those moments are really appealing to someone who's watched a lot of movies so it's yeah. like it's found footage movie is priest basically and uh, a, a more of a tech savvy guy who's not really he's more of an atheist but he's helping out with the priest basically Catholic Church investigating this guy in this church um, who uh, there's claims of him doing miracles there so they go and they're trying to investigate it and it kind of goes into the you know found footage horror where there's there's something evil kind of corrupting the church and the priest and he kills himself and they're kind of investigating it. And as they go on, they see that like initially a lot of the, the Catholic priests coming through Ireland and that area built churches on top of originally uh, sacred land for previous deities to, in order to hold them at bay. And this one's essentially gotten loose and it was one they sacrificed children to. 
and they go under the church and are starting to, and you're like, all right, they're through cabins. They're going to see some creepy shit. And they, they slowly get lost in the caverns and they're kind of crawling through like these tunnel spaces. And then you see the tunnel spaces start to move and wiggle. And they're in the intestines of some beast that starts dissolving them with stomach acid until the camera goes out. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, it was a really cool ending where I that's was like, pretty awesome. That's awesome. I didn't expect that, that to end that way. Um, so, spoilers, but that's a cool movie if you haven't watched it. <laughs> uh, a cool moment that I've always enjoyed, and this is also has more to do, I think, with the actual just line reading of it. Um, it's in 30 Days of Night. Uh, I haven't seen that. I feel like I started to watch it one time, never got to it. So, there's a moment in it whenever. Uh, they the vampires use uh, some woman as bait to get the people out of hiding, and she's walking down the street asking for screaming for help, and then finally she ends up in like surrounded by all the vampires, and then she begs, she's just like, please God, no, don't you know, don't fucking eat me or whatever she says. Yeah. Um, the Danny Houston is the actor. He played Stryker in the God awful Origins movie. <laughs> um. And he also played in Wolf or Wolverine, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. But anyways, he's a, he's a wonderful villainous actor. But he, in this moment, he looks at her and he just says, "He says, God." And then he looks up, and then looks back at her and shakes his head and he says, "No God." <laughs> and it's such a fucking great reading of that line. Like he delivered it perfectly, and it's always like. Me and Michelle will just walk around the house sometimes and I'll be like, no God. <laughs> just, just, it's so no weird. God. Like, it's such a weird, weird thing to remember. But that, that moment stuck with me forever because <laughs> it's just, it's pretty phenomenal how they, how he read that line and got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I've been seeing a couple of posts, like, it's kind of talking about just uh, how things, like, if read by certain actors, would, would not be. Just the quality of what they were yeah. with the delivery some some actors can give it. You know, obviously, like some of the big names, like it only gets sold the way it does because of who's who's delivering that line. Um, but yeah, uh, trying to think of a, a few others off the top of my head, but uh, you know, there's obviously some some moments that are are still uh, interesting, but I might have talked about already and. Try not to try to throw over the yourself. same yeah. same things again. Um, if you listen to some of the old stuff, yeah, which is all back up now, <laughs> so you can go back and listen to it, and it's all wonderful. Uh, last couple probably not so there, much, but there's a scene in uh, Death Note that again it's you know, an anime series, so try not to throw those out too much because I know you don't watch those too often. But uh, I'm like, uh huh, yeah, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> and it's kind of hard to give the setup in it essentially, but. Um, those of you who've watched the show, <laughs> I'm sure know what I'm talking about. But essentially, the the kid who has the Death Note, who's using it to kill people, his dad is the police chief, whatever. So he's uh, over over the investigation of finding out who the person I, is, who the killer is. I do is. actually know this. Okay. So, <laughs> well, essentially, um, that's about the extent of my he, knowledge. He lets himself get imprisoned, um, in order to prove his innocence and actually relinquishes all knowledge of the death note. So no one knows, or he doesn't even know that he was the killer. Right. Um, and 
they finally let him out after a certain amount of time. They've had him out for like three or four months and killing start again because he's set it in motion for someone else to get the book to prove his innocence. So they start killing people so he can prove his innocence. And, but in order to let him out initially, they put cameras in the a car and it's his dad taking him out and his dad ends up driving him to a field in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, dad, what are we doing? And he turns around with a gun pointing it at his son and is like, I don't know if you really did it or not, but I'm going to end us both right here. I'm going to kill you and kill myself. And uh, cause I, I can't have this over my head anymore, essentially. And just like, this is happening. I'm going to kill you. And he's pleading with his father to stop because he doesn't realize he was the killer or anything. So he's literally he's like, what like, the fuck's happening? He's screaming and upset with his father. And he goes all the way to the point where I believe he shoots past his head and then he, you know, kind of collapses and is breathing heavy. And he's like, there, I did it. And it was the detective trying to push him one more time because he knew if his life was really in danger, he would use the note to kill his own dad. Even. Right. And it was another test. But it's set up like his dad just really is like, had it and is going to kill him. And you as the audience member is like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, it's gonna... about to get real. And then there's another moment later on where he finally does get all of his memories flood back at once and it is one of the just mm. <laughs> it's, so you're it's, saying I should watch the show yeah it's really awesome but uh, he basically has set it up to where he's had a piece of the note as soon as he touches it he'll get all his memories back but it's been in his watch the whole time and he realizes that taps the thing opens up the note and as soon as or actually someone hands him the notebook and he planned for him to get it because he would he's smart enough to help the police find who actually he gave the note right, to. Yeah. And when he gets it again, they hand it to him. And as soon as he touches it, all his memories come back and you see him just like in shock, all his memories flood into him. And then his demeanor completely changes and he knows he had hidden a piece in his hand. So he taps the thing, opens it up and kills the previous owner of the book immediately shuts the thing. And you just see like this innocent kid that wants to help go right back to the killer after he touches it and it's a really really awesome scene where you're just like <laughs> yeah I'm gonna have to watch that then yeah there's a couple good ones you should check out I think um, I actually think I think we should revisit this at some point this yeah. whole thing because yeah, I think we should we should make more prepare uh, more uh, yeah prepare <laughs> a little bit more well, um, I feel like we've kind of touched on a couple other subjects like we could go into good readings of yeah the uh, line and readings line and, readings and uh, maybe some uh good movie experiences that weren't necessarily yeah. because the movie was great, but fun times had with the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Things like that we could throw in here. I can, t- I can tell you, you know, Fast and Furious, what, six, went to the one I watched with you. Yeah. It was a fucking blast. <laughs> Where I was... Where we uh, just, we ripped that movie apart. Yeah, we were uh, riff-tracksing yeah, the entire movie. We should have recorded that. <laughs> um, yeah, let's revisit this sometime and uh, we'll record and have a part two to this at some point part down the line. Two. So uh, do you do you have any any things you want to tag? Like, do you want to tell people where to find you? I'm you... up to nothing. Up to nothing. <laughs> I'm reading Dune <laughs> and watching old Criterion Collection films. I've uh, I've basically just been doing TikTok videos because yeah. until they ban it completely. Um, yeah, but uh, that's actually been a lot of fun because it's I hate editing long videos. And I don't, I know, like, it's been pointed out, like, you can do all this in an app. And I'm like, yeah, but 
Yeah. I have the expensive programs that I can use to edit. Why not use those yeah. and make it look a little bit better? Um, so I do that, but that's been fun. Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all that jazz, but uh, yeah, it's I don't uh. I don't really ever post much on any social media. I, I might start again since we're, we're revamping this. this up, yeah. So I think I think uh, yeah. This this would be. Um, I think my last post on Instagram is about a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I I don't post on Insta. I don't post on fucking anything. I'm really uh, terrible about. It. I might yeah, again. I'm like you said. It. I might start back up and doing it again. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. But you can contact Jake. Yeah. In this this podcast. Yeah. At. <laughs> at um, wow, I was like, I'm really, I must be way more tired than I thought I was because I can't fucking think. Uh, yeah, you can contact me. You can go go to my TikTok, see my shenanigans at uh, Motley Nerd, all one nerd, all one word, rather. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Uh, every time you come here to record, you have your noises on. Like I turned them off, and then I went to make sure it was off, and I accidentally turned it on. It is. <laughs> yeah, it was the wife sending me hearts. Um, but no, so she you loves can, me. You're right. Uh, she can. Uh... <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> we make smart investments. <laughs> So you can you can watch my shenanigans on TikTok at Motley Nerd, all one word. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Motley underscore Nerd. Uh, if you really are so inclined, you can add me on Facebook. I guess if you want to. M- Motley as in mottled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you can also um, if you guys have any suggestions for topics you want to hear us bullshit about or ramble or touch on for a little bit and then get off track harass him um, yeah hit me up on any of the social media that I just said or you can email us at uh, officialmotleynerd at gmail.com which I won't probably check so um, just just hit me up on the social media that'll be the way to do it so uh, until next time I'm Jake I'm Joe what are we talking about Molly Nerdcast.